This episode is brought to you by freedadcourse.com. You are always one conversation away from changing your life, and the power of hello is something that I subscribe to every single day, and I'm always saying hello to new people everywhere I go. Increasing your opportunity, increasing your connection, and getting access to the solutions to the problems that you are facing, whether you're on active duty or just beginning your veteran transition or even transitioning out for 20 years. On the other side of hello are the solutions that you're looking for. Again, head on over to freedadcourse.com. Get your five-episode audio course to create more connection, create more friendships, and get back to living the life that you're trying to design. Drive it like you stole it. And that was just a motto for life, man. Like, hey, if you're going to go and do it, do it fast, go for it, be all in. He carried around a little quote with him. It was a speech from Teddy Roosevelt called The Man in the Arena. And he kept it in his wallet. It gives tribute to those that are willing to go in and actually fail over and over again in that fight for ultimate success. And that, that success or that tribute does not lie with a passive soul who lives his life on the sidelines. And I would say Teddy Roosevelt's man in the arena is probably what would personify Glenn's fight and you know his spirit better than anything. And drive it like you stole it. Dory one, this is Fire Team Delta. Dad coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Welcome back to Military Veteran Dad, episode 99. Almost can't believe it, but man, we are almost at 100. And I would not have imagined because I didn't do the math, but starting a podcast on January 1st, 2019, it ends at episode 100. Doesn't end, just begins and continues, but... Episode 100 hits right in Veterans Day week or the week after Veterans Day week. And I would never have imagined that happening. And this is such an honor to be able to reach this milestone. And it's just been huge, huge impact on my life to be able to do this podcast. So thank you guys for showing up. And I can't wait to drop episode 100. But today we are here to talk about episode 99 because this is a very unique episode because it's honoring a Navy SEAL who's no longer with us. And we're talking to a friend of that Navy SEAL and how his life was impacted by being friends with him. They were pretty much best buds from the very beginning, and their life took a different path, but they never kept influencing on each other's life. The Navy SEAL that we are talking about today is Glenn Doherty. He was one of the four Americans killed in the terror attack in Benghazi, Libya on September 12th, 2012. There is a Glenn Doherty Foundation set up by Sean Lake, who owns Bub Naturals. And Bub's was a nickname of Glenn. So the whole thing continues to come together. And Bub's Naturals is a perfect pairing of an example of how Glenn lived his life and making sure that the principles that that company has are ways that Glenn would have lived his life as well. So this episode is going to be jam-packed with amazing stuff. And the Glenn Doherty Foundation is to works with to ease the transition from military life and work to that of a civilian by helping fund additional educational costs for special operation individuals and their children. We do this knowing Glenn's spirit will continue to touch us all. So there's a unique thing that's happening on Veterans Day 2020 that if you go to Bub's Natural, again, link in the show notes, and whatever is purchased on Bub's Naturals, 100% of the profits are going to support the Glenn Doherty Memorial Foundation. 
And what a great cause to be able to support and continue the legacy. And legacy is something we always talk about in the podcast. This one took a little bit of a unique turn. And if you want to hear my unique take on it, make sure you stay tuned for the other side of this episode where I share my key takeaways and what the big lessons were that I took away from this episode, because there were quite a few different lessons that I will take going forward. And I wouldn't have expected them to come in the way that they did, but nevertheless, they did. So check us out on the other side of this episode, and I'll come back to you. And without further ado, let's get started with Sean Lake. Welcome to the podcast, Sean. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it, Ben. We spent about 20 minutes talking before we hit record. So go ahead and tell about a little bit about yourself because I already feel like I know you. So I want you to say it a little bit for the audience out there and just, just give some of your background and what you do today. All right. So my name is Sean Lake. I'm originally from Massachusetts, migrated out West, uh, pursuing the dream in my early 20s of becoming a professional snowboarder. Um, enjoyed a great career doing that for a while and eventually uh, graduated from college and moved down to sunny San Diego. I've been here for about 20 years. Uh, I am a father of two. I have a four-year-old boy, a two-year-old daughter, a lovely wife named Heather. And I also have a young brand, a company that I helped co-found three years ago called Bubs Naturals. So kind of living the dream out here in San Diego, raising two small humans and uh, got a company along the way. And your connection to the military, go ahead and unpack that because you have a special story connected to the military. Yeah. So um, my best friend growing up in Massachusetts was a guy named Glenn Bub Doherty. Um, Glenn and I moved out to Utah together to be ski bums together. Uh, we were both turning 25, living in the mountains of Utah out at Snowbird. And we were trying to figure out what we were going to do with our lives because all of our friends from high school had gone on and graduated from college. They were all getting married, starting their careers. And we were a couple of ski bums. And so Glenn had met a couple of Navy SEALs. And, and this is in the mid nineties. This is like before the internet, everything's on VHS tapes. And he says, yeah, you know, I met these Navy SEALs. They, they said, I got what it takes. And I said, okay. He's like, I think I'm going to join the Navy and become a SEAL. And I said, you really mean it? He said, yeah, yeah. Like, this is what I want to do. This is my next adventure. And we'd been living this life of adventures, you know, from our teen years into our mid twenties. And I said, all right. So I drive, I drove him down to the recruiter in Sandy, Utah, walked him right in there, signed his paperwork. And he said, okay, I'm going to tell all of our friends. I'm going to tell my family, don't tell anyone yet. And, uh, you know, the next thing I know, Glenn's getting on a plane and he's flying off and he's going into basic training. And whatever, six months later, I am on my way down to San Diego to go to his buds graduation. So, you know, Glenn was the kind of guy who would set his sights on something and he would just go for it. And sure enough, he had that mental energy, that physical prowess to get in there, join the Navy and become a SEAL. So here I am ski bumming, my best friends in the Navy. And we had this great little mashup of friends, which were my industry, which is in the action sports industry, and Glenn's buddies, which were a bunch of active duty Navy SEALs. And uh, we all ended up moving to San Diego together. So Glenn's friends became my friends. Um, fast forward a couple of years, we're in the mid 2000s. Um, Glenn and I are both living in Encinitas, a little town north of San Diego. He gets out of the military and he switches to private contracting. So... Now I'm in San Diego and I, I work in the action sports industry at the time. 
Uh, Glenn was right down the street and fast forward again another year. And all of a sudden we're roommates, two guys getting ready to turn 40. We're both single. And uh, we both joined this gym in Encinitas called Seal Fit. And it was owned by uh, a former Navy SEAL that, you know, Glenn worked with. So next thing you know, we're both at the gym. Then we're both coaches at the gym. And in between, Glenn is going on deployments. So I'm working my day job. We're hanging out, working out, having a great time. Um, and that community, that military community has always just been near and dear. There were a bunch of Marines that were members of the gym. It was a very big military community at, well, I mean, at a gym called Seal Fit, you kind of expect uh, anyone who's active duty in the area is going to come down and throw some weight around. So it was a really neat community to be a part of, and I'm, I'm grateful for the experience. Um, and then, uh, you know, while Glenn and I were living together a couple of years later, while he's doing his contracting work, um, Glenn was stationed in Tripoli in the fall of 2012. And, uh, he just touched down. He'd just gotten, you know, his station assignment in Tripoli. And that's when the terrorist attacks happened in Benghazi, Libya. So if you ever saw a movie 13 hours, or you remember the congressional hearings on Benghazi, um, it was a pretty big stink. And Glenn was one of the four Americans killed, uh, saving all those American lives down there. So, I got the call. Um, I was listed as Glenn's next of kin. Um, I was the executor of his estate. So it was a big snowball change from Glenn just being gone for a couple months to obviously a, a pretty big life shift for, uh, for everyone that he knew. Um, so yeah, I've, I've always had a close ties to the military. I've never served. Uh, I've just have always been friends in, in, in this community since, uh, you know, since my mid twenties and, Glenn's friends are my friends and uh, I'm grateful to have, you know, those, th this great group of people in my life. And, and after Glenn passed, we had this opportunity to, to kind of celebrate his legacy. And, and Glenn was really this larger than life personality. I mean, if he walked into a room, you felt his presence, big smile, storytelling. I mean, he just, he just held court. So when he passed, his family and I got together and we talked about Glenn's legacy and we said, Hey, you know, we can't just let this just drift off into history. Like we have to celebrate Glenn's life. And so we did it by starting a foundation, um, the Glenn Doherty Memorial Foundation. And the whole purpose was to help special operators and their families transition out of active duty to civilian life, primarily through scholarship. And it was a really neat experience to like start that foundation, start creating a fundraising platform, and then all of a sudden be able to help fill these gaps in the GI bill for these applicants. And it was life-changing. I mean, it was, it was a wild experience to go from, Hey, I, I work in the action sports industry. Like I was the team manager at Burton snowboards and DC shoes to suddenly be a part of this military nonprofit and on a very national stage while there's a lot of you know politics happening and I was flying to Washington DC to sit down with members of Congress to talk about Benghazi and what happened and it was a pretty big life shift uh, in the middle of all that uh, the girl I was dating Heather who I mentioned earlier uh, became my wife and so a lot of life shift in the last eight years from, you know, the moment we lost Glenn to starting the foundation to, uh, having a family. It's, it's been a, it's been quite a ride. 
I can imagine. I have to ask the elephant in the room. How did you survive the peer pressure to not join the military? Peer pressure <laughs> had to be massive, massive. So, like you, you skipped over any hinting of peer pressure, but I can only imagine the amount of just ragging you that went on to like, hey, dude, what are you waiting for? So it, it's funny you mention that we did talk about it and the recruiter was, was, was kind of up in my grill. I was thinking even the recruiter was like, I, I was expecting like, and he got me to join as well. <laughs> yeah. So, so he actually didn't. And the reason for that is the dream that we had in Utah. Remember the were two guys in our, our late teen years into our early twenties was he wanted to become a professional skier. That was Glenn's goal. Now, being a professional skier in the nineties was really tough. Like the industry wasn't where it is today. Glenn was an incredibly talented skier, but you know, the free ride wasn't there. I was a snowboarder and snowboarding was like skyrocketing in popularity. So I had gotten sponsored and I was getting, you know, my free gear. I was getting to travel to Europe. I was getting all these great perks of being a snowboarder. So when Glenn was going into the into his career in the Navy, I was actually just starting to skyrocket. And Your dream had altitude. His was still hovering at 100 feet. So that was really the number one reason why like, I didn't have a reason to bite because I was like, why would I give up? I'm getting a, this company's paying me like $200 a month. I got to do this. <laughs> so that was really it. That was, that was the, the elephant answer was actually kind of easy. I was getting boxes of free clothes. And I thought that was the coolest thing in the world at the time. <laughs> but he never um, came back to just completely like pick you up and say like, Hey, I'm taking you to the recruiter office. You got to, you got to join. No, no. I mean, Glenn, you know, he was always respectful of everyone else's space. And, and most of the ski guys that, that we were friends with were, I mean, super hippies. I mean, super lefty. They were, they would never think to join the military and that chapter of our lives and those friends there's still those kind of earthy hippie cats, you know, 20 some odd years later. And Glenn was, you know, this is one of the great things about who Glenn was. He could be friends with the high school guys going to Ivy League colleges, to the ski bums of Utah, to his teammates in SEAL Team 3, to the fitness guys of San Diego. And he could work between each of those social groups seamlessly. Um, and he always had respect for what everyone was doing. He, he never would project his ideas of what you should do. He just did what he did. He did it loudly. So, so you knew and you could be inspired, uh, but it was never his goal. So for me, he put it out there. Um, but then he also, you know, he kind of casually let, let it go because that was his journey and that was his thing. Um, what's interesting is that we picked it back up in 2008 when we both joined the seal fit gym we had both discovered CrossFit and we'd always been competitive with each other our whole lives. So Glenn went and got super fit in the Navy. And all of a sudden in 2008, we kind of reconnect. He's out of the Navy. We're both living in the same town. We're about to become roommates and Glenn's way fitter than I am. And I'm like, man, I gotta, I gotta catch up. So we start training together and training together and training together. And when we went in and joined the seal fit gym, um, it was really transformative for me because I was really gleaning this energy from folks like yourself and, and guys in the gym that were just, they were just hammers. And I found that super inspirational. And I just started, you know, finding that gear in me that Glenn and I had always used to tap into. And next thing you know, it's a year later and Glenn and I are going neck and neck on workouts and he wins one then I win one. 
And then I got asked to go through their immersive camp uh, at SealFit. It's called Kokoro. And it's basically a two and a half day simulated Navy SEAL Hell Week. And it's designed for private citizens who want to go into the Navy or who want to go into soft, into special forces of some kind to test themselves. And it was, you know, Commander Mark Devine who owns the gym and a handful of former Navy SEALs that would be, they were the coaching cadre and they would basically kick the living crap out of you from Friday afternoon till Sunday afternoon. And you're just going to get the floor mopped with you. And along the way, they're giving you this full experience of what they had gone through down in Coronado. Um, or as close to it, I think, as you can get. And it's got a you know phenomenal reputation from those years. I went through it because I was one of their coaches at that time. And they said, hey, you can't be a coach here and not do this camp. So it was my first real window into what Glenn had gone through. I'd never really paid attention to it on a personal level. I just knew that Glenn had done these things and Glenn went on to have this career. But we kind of separated our friendship because we had a lot of friends who would ask questions like, have you ever killed anyone? And I always thought that was the most insensitive question to ask someone. Like it's a very personal, it's a very question. Xbox style question. Like you just assume like, yeah. And, and that was out there. So I never wanted to be a contributor to that. So I always just wanted to be there to be Glenn's best friend. You know, like, Hey, you want to talk about something relationships? What's going on with you? Like what's going on in the world? hundred percent. And that was a kind of a core of our friendship. I never asked him a lot of questions about what he did in the Navy or what it was like. So joining that gym and having that exposure to his community um, was really neat um, because I went through the Kokoro camp. I, I graduated from it. You know, I, I made it through the weekend. Um, I famously asked at one point Friday afternoon where the beds were, where are we going to sleep? <laughs> I had no idea that there was no sleep that entire weekend. <laughs> But it was cool, man. It was it was a neat experience. It brought me closer to that community. Um, I went on to teach those camps. Um, I was one of two civilian coaches allowed in for a couple of years afterwards. And you know, Glenn and I would be side by side coaching these guys. I mean, former NFL players, a guy like Derek Price comes through there, and to have a chance to shape his experience uh, after having my own, and of course, Glenn's ten years of of duty um, was fascinating. It was it was cool. And it was, it was a neat way to really spend time together. What kind of motto did he live his life by? You know, it, it's funny. The, he, he had a bunch that, and the, some of them are, are, are less in risk. He always had these little cliches that he would throw out there. So one, drive it like you stole it. And that was just a motto for life, man. Like, hey, if you're going to go and do it, do it fast, go for it, be all in. Um, he carried around a little quote with him. And uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a speech from Teddy Roosevelt called The Man in the Arena. And he kept it in his wallet. And, and I, I'd butcher it if I tried to tell you all the different lines. But, but you know, essentially, it gives tribute to those that are willing to go in and actually fail over and over again in that fight for ultimate success. And that's, that success or that, that tribute does not lie with the passive soul who lives his life on the sidelines. And I would say Teddy Roosevelt's man in the arena is probably what would personify Glenn's fight and, and, and you know, his spirit better than anything and drive it like you stole it. I like that. Drive it like you stole. I haven't heard someone say that in a while, but it definitely, it makes sense, especially in my, even my 
own journey as all the things that we, I was talking about that I've gone through this year. You really, if you want something, you really just have to own it. And like, there was a point, even this year, I recognized that I was saying, trying way too often that I was trying to do X. I was trying to do this, trying to do that. And you can't really try anything. All it is, is just a nice cushion word that makes people feel sorry for you and give you like, Oh, at least you're trying. Well, it doesn't do anything to actually get you there. You got to be in the arena, throwing the punches, trying to train to get in the boxing ring, ain't going to get you in the boxing ring. So like there is that mentality. And the big thing, I like what you talk about with legacy because many military dads, if you've been listening to this podcast or this is your first episode, we talk about legacy a lot because it is the one thing you have to leave behind after you leave. And Glenn did not have kids, correct? No, no, he was he was single. He didn't have kids. He was like the godparent to like five different kids and uh, and an uncle. You know, the favorite uncle, of course. So when you when you have these like legacy ideas and this mantra to live life that you even probably have breadcrumbs all throughout your life of just being around Glenn and having him change your life, there is. There's so many stories where when a dad lives his life just like this and something happens to him just like this, you give your kids a blueprint of how to connect with dad. And so, or even how to connect with him. I mean, you probably have 15 different things that if you really want to go into a space and really figure out what would Glenn do in this moment, you could probably name off 10 to 15 things, whether it be on a mountain probably or lifting a log so many different ways to connect with his wisdom and his presence. And as a dad, if we don't understand how to live our life and leave behind that legacy or even teach it, you, you withhold something, a very valuable tool, whether you die when you're 80 or whether you die when you're 45, giving your kids a way to connect with you is so much more powerful to help them move through their life because they always know how to connect with dad when they know how dad lived. You nailed it because there is that... I will always have his voice somewhere situationally to inspire me. And Even when you're being lazy, you probably hear in the back of your head saying like, get off your ass and go to work. Ben, it's the most irritating thing in the world is when I am like literally at like crash zone and I'll, ha- I'll hear that voice and you would be like, just get up off your butt, go clean out the garage, pick up the vacuum, do whatever, like organize the kid's toys. And I'm always like, hmm. Like it was really a pain in the ass being friends with someone who kind of had that go-go all the time. <laughs> yeah. Cause you, you, you keep asking yourself more of yourself and that's why this is what military men suck at as well Is when we leave, we don't recognize what we had when we were in the military. So we don't duplicate it on the other side of joining a group where people are asking more of their life. You mentioned just doing some filming with a bunch of old Marines who work out and do push-ups in this old man's garage. And this guy's like 80 years old, just still pushing it and makes you feel like you're lazy. Like having people in your life that even just kind of reset your mind of what lazy really is. Like that's so important. And most dads aren't resurrounding themselves with people that make them ask themselves to do more in life. Well, you're, you're touching on something super important. Like who's your tribe? Like, who are your people? And if you're around great people who inspire you, you're going to elevate your game. Like, you're going to do great things. I've got a dad across the street from me. He's a former naval officer, works for Amazon. And when I watch him with his kids, his kids are 6'4", and um, just about like, I think his daughter is like eight months. And he will come out with daughter and the Bjorn, And the kids are playing. Our kids are best friends. They're all over each other. And 
I watch how he interacts with them and it is just inspiring. And like, I'm excited to be around him, to see how he talks with his son, to see him like have great eye contact and, and really genuinely care about his son taking the training wheel off the bike and being there. And of course, something you and I talked about earlier, COVID, we're all spending more time at home right now. Well, your neighbors are around you. I'm lucky. I'm in a neighborhood where there's a, literally a dozen families with kids that are eight and younger. So it's become this own little pod in a way over the last half year or so. But the tribe, like the people that I'm around, the parents that I find myself gravitating towards, they're showing that great energy. They're taking their kids out for adventures. They're playing, they're socializing them. Like they're, they're making the absolute most of this opportunity. So there's no time to be lazy. You know, it's, it's more like, yeah, you might get tired, but I'm going to make sure my kids get through this as unfazed as humanly possible, as socially engaged as humanly possible. And with as much exposure and stimulus and activity and, and new experience that, uh, that I can get. Cause I, I mean, heck I, I learned from that, you know, so it's, it's mutually beneficial. It's I great. mean, when your kids are pushing your buttons, those are areas that you need to do development on. Cause they're just good at pushing your buttons and it's your fault that, you get triggered by it, not them. They just are really good detectives and figuring out what that looks like. I literally did that with a, my two-year-old daughter last night. Like two-year-old daughter was just going, bop, bop, pushing the button. I got you. And I had to stop myself and realize I'm like, she's a two-year-old. She's acting like a two-year-old. So you don't have to lower yourself to the two-year-old level. And, and I'm just a grown adult. having that moment to not react to her acting that way, but just kind of respond with the logic in your head and being like, wait, she's only two. Hey, let's, let's, let's just move the situation around. And, and, you know, playbook things that you do with different age groups of, we'll just ask her a question that takes her over here. And all of a sudden you change the scenery, you change the scenario and you pull her out of whatever she was in. You go like, Oh, look at that. Two minutes later, she's smiling and you know, you've moved completely moved on from whatever that thing was. And for me, like there's one thought with my kids with this whole year, like no matter what happens, what happens with my future, the one positive thing that I want them to remember 20 years from now, that this was the year where dad was all there, like through this summer and the adventures, like I've, it's something completely random, but it was, and it came completely random to me. I wasn't even designing it this way, but there was a time where I had to get the kids out of the house because my wife was having some friends over and I had no idea what I was going to do. I threw all this crap in the car, towels, beach blankets, pushing poles. We had, you name it, I threw it in there just as I was like, I'm just going to go. I had kind of an idea in my head, but I was winging it. And that ended up being what we call now adventure days. And it was their favorite day. And it was still my favorite day this year because it worked out just the way that it was supposed to. I felt so present in those moments. And like, that is something that I grew into and they grew into. And now that's something that they want more of. And it was the most, there was nothing organized about it. It was just kind of getting out of the house, picking something random to go pointed toward, and then just figuring out what's along the way to get there. Yep. It, it, I love hearing that because <laughs> my wife actually jokes about men as she kind of throws a blanket out there about how generally unprepared we are to get kids out of the house. Like what a skill it is to get them dressed, get the shoes on, get the water bottles filled. I do it snacks, daily. Change your clothes, like all of that stuff. And I don't disagree with her because if she's always doing it, I don't do it. I, I'll pick something else to do. And all of a sudden it throws on you. She's like, hey, tonight you need activities for the kids and dinner. And I'm going to go out with my girlfriends and go do something else. I'm like, ooh, well, what's it going to be? 
And uh, this is where it takes a village. Like we would do the adventures are awesome. We've got a cool neighborhood where we can do that. Um, but, and you're also in San Diego with lots of places to go for adventure. You got it. Like I, I'm lucky, like in, in year round, it's rare that the weather would be an inhibitor. So whether it's a park or popping down to the beach or leaning on your tribe. So I, I think I mentioned my wife's a reporter. So she works for Fox news and she covered the Super Bowl this year. So right before COVID hit, she did a road trip from San Diego where the station is all the way to Miami and then, you know, cover the Super Bowl and came home 13 days solo dad. So I'm not looking for a badge for that. It was my job. Like it, that's what we do. My wife has a job that had a 13 day work trip. So she's off having a blast and I'm like, okay, I need structure. I need to do something I've never done with these kids before. I need to organize everything about their days. We had a nanny, but hey, those were still two big weekends that it was all me. Play dates, organizing, the right shopping, like structuring your day, which you know you know all about. You have to set your tasks and get them done and then jump into being with the kids and cover everything and FaceTime with mom, but you know, make everything roll. And it's funny, like, by the end of it, it was it was past a chore, well past a chore. It was like, we're, this is just what we're doing. This became kind of regular life. And it was it was neat because when Heather came home, I just had things going. Like I was you know, like, bing, 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 bing. She's like, oh, wait a minute. I'm like, yeah, 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 don't worry. You can fit yourself back in, but we got this. And it's cool to be able to, I learned from her to be able to do that. And again, going back to the tribe, I called every dad that I knew. I set up play dates. I set up time and structure because that helps, you know, fill that stimulus with the kids and and do fun things. And, you know, like I watched the Super Bowl at a friend's house and, you know, I had his daughters watching my kids in case, you know, the adults were all talking and watching the game and it was just covered all the bases. And it was cool because there's a certain element of freestyle adventure dad days where every day they were, <laughs> but you know, yeah, you add stuff into it and you make it happen. And, and honestly, like I wouldn't trade it for anything because all my friends are like, Oh my God, your wife's gone for 13 days. That's crazy. And I was like, yeah, it was, but it was pretty cool. You know, you know it's he- funny. You have this story because I have a similar, almost exact story, except you did longer. So my wife last summer got invited to go to China as a teacher and to kind of observe Chinese schools and I want to be supportive. So I was like, yeah, sure, you should go. And then I'm starting doing the math. And I'm like, that means that I'm here. And I've never, I had them that same year. She went to spring break for four days in Tampa with her teacher friends. So I had four days of training wheels, but that was, I would say fairly easy. I don't remember it being even chaotic. And this 10 days, I was like, how am I going to do this? Because I have a full-time job at the time. So I took vacation. That was my insurance policy that I could survive. I was like, if I don't have to think about work, there's no reason why I can't survive. And every day, I remember I was blogging on Facebook about my highs and lows, and the women were getting a good laugh out of my misery. <laughs> every morning, I felt like I would wake up with like a hangover of just exhaustion, even though I wasn't drinking. Um, and every day, I would just like, yep, that idea sucks. So I threw it out the window. I would try something new. And it was just this reiterative process. And by like, she left on Friday, but like Wednesday, I was like in my game. I was loving it. I had like a two-month hangover from that time for like the next two months when I had to go back to work. And it was those 10 days that really gave me the, the love of being a dad and just the desire to be nothing but dad and to be a stay-at-home dad now. Like if I didn't have those 10 days, I would not have asked more of my life when my job went away in January. 
Yeah. Well, you touched on something earlier, which is super important. Like you have a friend who said, Hey, the first 10 years are the most important years. Those are also the 10 years where your kids want to spend time with you. Yeah. You're the coolest person in the room. You're the coolest person in the room. I will not be the coolest person in the room in seven years from now. So I'm going to soak up every minute of that, that I can get. And it's not like I'm looking at the clock ticking, but there's a natural transition when they turn tweens and they turn into teenagers where they have to go out on their own. They have to have their own adventures. Our job is to fortify them with enough knowledge and good decision-making skills so that when they get there, the mistakes that they are inevitably going to make are just hopefully a little bit better than the mistakes we made when we were kids. And, and you, you know, know something, you hit something there about uh, how to prepare them. Like I've heard it said, you don't want to raise good kids. You want to raise good adults because that's the objective and you don't want them rebanding back to your basement. So the more you invest, the better insurance policy you're going to buy that they're going to launch and stay launch and not ricochet back. But you also, as I put this thing together, you have so many stories from your life and Glenn's life and the tribe's life. And stories are one of the best teaching tools to teach kids with that most dads don't even tap into and they don't ever reveal a story of their life to their kids or a trial, maybe a similar issue in high school if you have teenagers. But those are some of the best teaching tools when you have great stories because you just give them a wider depth of understanding of the world and how that works. And most kids do not figure out how the world works or how they fit into it in the 12 years they go to school. But stories, experience, adventures, like my objective, and it came from another fellow SEAL that I had on the podcast, my objective is to give my kids a wide view of the American dream and stories, adventure, all of those things is really how you do it. And it, the seeds are planted when you get them to just ask more or push you for something more when they're young like that, like the dividends just start paying over and over. And then even more important, when you're present with your kids at these young age doing all these fun things and you're not yelling and you're not crazy and they're not triggering you and you're able to remain calm, you create a trust that leads to dividends in the future. Like I have a saying that you want to be there for the little things so that later in life, they'll bring you the big things and having that safe environment where they're okay with you for 13 days and that they're not crying for mom every time and every day because they don't know how to connect with you. And maybe you scare them and they scare you. That's not how you're going to create that intimacy. And your teenagers are going to have real world problems and you want to be the guy they bring them to. Otherwise you have those destructive teenage behaviors where they're acting out. Yeah. And it's, it's tough, right? Cause you, you don't, you have to play like my wife and I talk about playing the heavy, like there is an authoritative role in parenting and there is discipline and there, there, there is, um, there are those moments and we find ourselves trading that role, which I think is super important. Mom can snap. She will lose her S H I T and, you know, sharpen her language with the kids and, and be firm. And then I can cue off of that and then play the support role to help get them to understand why their actions have, have kind of created a situation or how to behave better or what, you know, whatever the thing is and vice versa. I'll sort of look at Heather and I'll be like, let me know when you want me to tag in. Like when you need me to play the heavy, I hate it. I absolutely hate having to go in and raise my voice and be firm and talk about going to your room for two minutes and, and, and those kind of things with a four-year-old, right? But like, it's, it's draining and you don't want to have to do it. But if you can balance both sides, you're earning a level of that respect through your actions. And you're also there to comfort them and therefore be approachable, like you said, which is super important. Like, I don't want my daughter or my son to 
get older and not bring me the big things. Like that would be horrible. Yeah. You would just feel like, Oh man, I missed the mark early on. It's the mark. Um, and, and then, you know, that there's books that quite frankly, I've been too tired to read. Um, I, you know, I mentioned earlier, like I decided to really double down and between, you know, Glenn's legacy and then getting married and then starting a business from scratch. Um, I have found that like my bandwidth is, is very, very full. It's like, if I've got free time, it's, it's with the kids, it's with my wife. It's, it's literally staying plugged in over there or the ch- endless chores to support the home and, and, and just keep it moving. Like mowing the lawn to, you know, stuff in the garage, you name it. I can keep myself busy for hours. Um, and, and the business side, like it keep, you don't have a lot of available time. I've got a punch list of books. I am dying to read. Have you ever done guess- 75 hard? No, that's a good, uh, it's usually want the requirements is to read an entrepreneur book, but you have to read 10 pages every day in a book for 75 hard for 75 days. And so if you ever want an accountability partner to get through those books, 75 hard could be a good accountability partner. Cause you got to read a physical book for 10 pages every day. Interesting. Okay. So, so I use this little guy right here. Uh, it's a whoop strap and I'm always measuring like activity and recovery and, and, and your, your body's basically, how your body goes through a 24 hour cycle. I, I, I really enjoy geeking out on that knowledge. One of the questions it asks me is it's got these pre-filled questions it asks you every single morning is, did you read on a screen device and did you read a book? And my screen device is like 90% of the nights I'm, I, I read the news, toggle through, check email before bed, blue light, bad idea, but I do it. Then there's the book part. And I'm like, well, I read my kids' books every night, so I guess I'm I'm kind of knocking off a few pages. But the adult books that are so valuable, that were such a core part of my life before kids, like I was a voracious reader until four years ago. <laughs> so my wife and I joke, we're like, we, we can't wait to get back into that. And that might be a really neat tool for me to use because I don't have to get up quite as early as she does. So I, I could actually use it. So it's called... 75, 75 hard. There's a guy in out of St. Louis, uh, also a supplement company. He runs, um, uh, Andy for 75 hard, 75 hard.com has all the, there's five things you got to do two workouts, 45 minutes in length, gallon of water, stick to a diet, take a selfie and read 10 pages in a book. You got to do that for 75 days. All right. I did that. Well, I got the water part down and that really like the person you see here today is not the person I was even just in February. So it really helped chisel away what was kind of on the outside with a bunch of bad habits. It's interesting. We, we all have bad habits. We all have habits we can create. And if you ever want to change anything, you have to change that. You have to, you know, if you want change in your life, you have to change the things that you're doing. And that's, it it seems really fundamental. Like, okay, well, I'm going to get up every morning. I'm going to brush my teeth. I'm going to make the bed. I'm going to do this. So, you know, whatever your list is, but then there's all those other hours, right? And it's like, how do you change those habits around? Um, if you've never drank enough water and you're constantly dehydrated, that one little thing can actually unlock a ton of human potential in you. Oh, yeah. Um, even hunger, even. Just like so many times you're hungry, you're really not hungry, you're just thirsty. Yep. L- literally, like how much are you hydrating over the course of a day? It's it's it's, it's fascinating how much there is behind that. Um, and, and then, you know, from my standpoint, like, creating new habits or trying something new. It was kind of always been a part of me, I guess, like from snowboarding to different adventures to traveling. So I've never been opposed. I've never been like, I'm not going to do that. Like 
friend of mine taught me about Wim Hof breathing um, in like March, maybe early COVID. And he said, yeah, try, try doing this every morning. A couple of years ago, I learned about meditating. And I looked at meditating a couple of years ago, like the most voodoo, like black, loopy, magic. black magic crap. And, but then I remember a conversation I had with Glenn. <laughs> There's that voice in the about, back of your head. It was that voice. And it said, Glenn said he had this challenge to drive in the car, wherever he was going, like, you know, 20, 30 minute drive without the radio on just him and his thoughts, no cell phone, nothing, just putting time in quiet in the car. And that was his version of meditating. He didn't call it meditating. He just said, called it quiet time. And so I was like, I don't even want to be alone with my thoughts. I don't want to be anywhere near him, but I didn't, I couldn't even acknowledge that. I just called it voodoo crap and, and ignored it. Well, then I went and I actually had to unlock that thing in my life and find out, you know, do a little bit of a deeper dive while I was having my son. And while I was in this transition of figuring out what I was going to do for work, like all of this is happening. Like my first child is being born. I'm in a work flux, meaning I tried a, a work project that didn't work. It blew up on me. And I found myself effectively gainfully unemployed, pitching my services out in a very uncomfortable way. And I had to, I had to change something. This is the this is the habits thing, right? All the habits I'd established weren't working. Or they'd worked up to a point, but they weren't working now. So how was I going to solve for that? So I, I went and saw this fantastic um, psychiatrist or psychologist, uh, Dr. Doug Brackman. He was down here in San Diego. And he's basically a bit of a professional life coach. He's not like a, a traditional head shrink. And he taught me to meditate. He taught me to understand the difference between the elephants, which is part of your core body, like stove hot versus the monkeys that are going to tell you different stories, the voices in your head that spin you out of control. And he tried, you know, he taught me about the balance between the monkeys and the elephants, how you're both of them, but you're neither of them and how to respond to situations, not react to situations and how meditation is a tool that can actually help you create that space and, and, and create that, that understanding of time and slow everything down. All of a sudden I'm like, Whoa, where did this tool chest come from? That has all these cool tools in it that I can now employ and I can apply them to my screaming child at home. I can apply them to my wife who's stressed out with, with her career or work or being a mom. I can apply them to this new business, this, this, this bubs creation of ours and it has helped me through some of the most daunting periods in parenting. And it has helped me through periods of being an entrepreneur, which is, I hate the word. It's, it's, it's such a, it's, it's just a word that's, I think, very loosely used. But I look at it like I'm just a, a small business owner, um, but I've never been a business owner before. So I'm in completely uncharted territory. So it's, it's really cool. Like it's, it's a fun it's a fun way to unlock, create new habits that are going to be beneficial in the long term. And meditation happened to be one of those things that I have really locked onto. Uh, the Wim Hof stuff is fascinating. Yeah, that's um, a big, big rabbit hole to go down. Oh, it's, I mean, and it's cool because it's time management, right? It's, hey, if your kids get up at 630 in the morning, you get up at six. And between six and 630, you can uh, cover some of these things. It just helps set your day up well. 
And, you know, for me, it's not exercise. Some people love the Jocko willing, wake up at 4 a.m. and swing a kettlebell. I'm more of a, I'll get up and I'll kind of get my mind, mindset going. And uh, I used to think of it as woo-woo stuff. And now I think of it as like an essential daily, just like my collagen routine and my vitamins, man. <laughs> Speaking of vitamins, Bubs actually has something special that they're doing for Veterans Day. Go ahead and unpack that as we wrap up our interview for us. Yeah, no problem. So uh, I guess, you know, we, we've been talking about the whole entrepreneur thing. So I started a brand three years ago called Bubs Naturals with my business partner, a guy named TJ Ferreira. And TJ came over to my house and saw that I was taking collagen. Collagen is a protein. It's the most abundant protein in the human body. And I was taking it because I got old snowboarding knees and I was achy all the time. And what I found after supplementing with collagen was that it really, truly works. And Ben, I've tried every supplement under the sun and I've never seen the kind of quality results that I got from collagen. And it was little things like my fingernails were growing like crazy. Oh, it's a connective tissue. Okay, that makes sense. My hair was growing like crazy. Another connective tissue. Um, And then my joints, connective tissue. And they felt great. Like my joints felt like I was back in my, I felt like I was 30 all over again. And then recovery, like I never stopped exercising. It just hurt more. So all of a sudden my CrossFit workouts or running distance or surfing or or whatever suddenly didn't hurt. I just was like back in the rhythm. And so TJ comes over and he sees I'm taking it. I gush to him about how great I feel, how well this makes me feel. And he just says, hey man, let's start a company. So we said, well, what does it look like? Like, okay, sure. And we both looked at each other and said, well, we have to do something cool for charity. Opening line, we both said it at the exact same time. It was like that defining moment of actually doing this. And I just started laughing. I said, well, man, we, we, got, we got to give to Glenn's charity, the Glenn Doherty Memorial Foundation. And Glenn's call sign in the Navy was Bub. So we'll name the company Bub's Naturals. And we'll give 10% of all of our profits of everything we do, funnel it into Glenn's foundation, and we'll launch with collagen protein, which is just the kind of product that he would have taken because he, you know, it's got so many great repair benefits. And Glenn was this guy who always stood for self, uh, self-improvement. And then Glenn was always helping others. So we'll do that through our charitable component. So we started doing that. We call it our 10% rule. Uh, we're the only brand that is 100% NSF for sport certified. So it's an independent accreditation body for the United States Olympic team, Major League Baseball, the NFL, all that cool stuff. I only say that because I don't want to tell you I've got the best collagen on the planet. Um, I like them to say it for me. And, um, and yeah, on Veterans Day, we give 100% of all proceeds to Glenn's charity. So next week we'll actually do that, you know, on, on veterans day, we give a hundred percent and we do it every year. So, and as the company grows, we're able to give more. So we've, we've actually donated about a hundred thousand dollars to the foundation so far. And it's a small foundation. So it just, you know, it just reinforces what we're here for and why we do it. Um, Glenn was always helping others and we have a way to do that through this brand both in terms of the products that we have, it's, it's we're an all natural supplement brand and then through our charitable donations. So it's, it's been really fulfilling. Um, it has been rife with challenges, uh, learning the supplement space and learning that is a whole different podcast probably. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but it's been awesome to do that in tandem with raising two tiny humans and trying to be super connected at home with my wife and, you know, and just, I, I wouldn't trade these adventures for anything. I, I feel like I've learned more in the last three, four years than in any other chapter of my life. Well, you're definitely changing your family tree and providing examples for your kids to ask more of their life and see just different paths of how you can find success and create money. Most people under only understand a W-2 as a way to generate money, but there are so many different ways out there to do it. And so you're providing that good example. And I really appreciate this conversation. We probably am positive could talk for two hours based on the amount of synergy and commonality in our stories. So I really appreciate you coming to the podcast and I look forward to getting it out there. Yeah, man. I can't wait to hear about your journey and, and, and see where you're going in 2020 and 21, man. Wow. That was an amazing episode. And the big thing that hit me square in the face was just being connected to Glenn's legacy. I remember Benghazi in the news. I remember it being a big giant shit show, but I don't remember connecting with the four Americans that lost their lives. I remember seeing their pictures on the screens and TVs, but to be honest, I did not slow down to really understand who they were as people. What did they leave behind? What was their legacy? What did, how did they live life? And in this case, Glenn, there was a massive lesson of how he led life and what rules he lived by. Because probably if someone would have told me like five years ago, drive it like you stole it, I might be a lot farther in life. Because that hit me square in the face. Because one, it's pretty damn funny to say it like that. And two, when someone is going slow or second guessing, like that was such an amazing mantra to be able to live life by. Drive it like you stole it. Guys, that was so, so good. Just leaving a blueprint for your kids on the other side. Now, Glenn didn't have kids, but he definitely was able to impact. And I'm positive the God kids that were in his life at the time, they remember who Glenn is and I'm positive that they still probably have that same Glenn voice in the back of their head like Sean does on how they lived life and what they could do with their life if they just look for how Glenn lived his life. Guys, this was an amazing episode. I hope you got exactly out of it that you needed. I hope it gave you the fuel to get you through this week. I know that everything is going on. Life is just as crazy as it was about a week ago. But guys... Remember, inside, you are a dad, you are a man, you are loved, and you are appreciated. And that is enough to go into the world, to go into this week and just crush it. And don't forget that Bubs Naturals is supporting the Glenn Doherty Foundation on Veterans Day with not just 10%, but they're donating all of the profits that go from the sales on Veterans Day to the Glenn Doherty Foundation to continue to live that legacy. So head on over. There's a link in the show notes to find that website. And again, all of the profits from Bub's Naturals on Veterans Days goes towards the foundation. Guys, I hope you have an epic week. And I will talk to you again on Friday.